the Word of God. I want to talk to you. First of all, let me remind you, Wednesday nights, thank you, Pastor Joe, did a great job today. I love the musicians and the singers. They're doing a wonderful job, really do. Um, Wednesday nights, we're going through the book of Romans. And this Wednesday night, we're going to be doing chapter 3. If you want to read ahead, read ahead and read chapter 3. Uh, it's great. It's powerful. We've started uh, off in Romans with a bang. Great turnout. Wonderful Wednesday nights. Uh, we're giving a lot to we Wednesday nights are not afterglow services. They are not sort of hiccups in the week. But they are when we teach the Bible. Sunday morning is usually topical. But Wednesday nights is expository. That is, we're going through the Bible. And the, the, the Bible says your faith will be strengthened by hearing the Word of God. So nothing on that TV that's better than the Word, I promise you. Now come up on a Wednesday night and be blessed, and we'd love to have you. Now, I've been doing a series on temptation. I know that a few of you get tempted. And the rest of you have passed all that, but you remember those days, right? Um... And today I want to talk to you about the purpose of temptation, and really I want, to, I want to show you the difference between temptation and testing, because we're all tempted, but we're all also tested. So let's read in James 1, uh, three verses, I believe, two through four, uh, four verses actually, and then verse 13. Let's look at what it says. Now, James is either crazy or he knows something we don't know, because look what he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials and tests. How many of you feel great joy when you're in a test? Yeah, you got to tell yourself, don't you? Well, okay. Well, what did he know? He said, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything in your faith. Okay? Now, let's look at verse 13, and that's not there. Well, all right, then I will go to verse 13 real quick, and um, let's just read it. James 1, 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now notice, in the first three verses, he said the word test, but in this one, he says tempt. What's the difference? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today, and we pray that you will bless it in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, because God is with you in your testing. God is with you in your trial, and let's just ask him to speak to us. Say with me, Lord, speak to my heart, and give me wisdom to navigate this test in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're being tested, say amen, amen, and you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you. Now, words matter, and in the first 12 verses, James is focused on the trials and the testings that the Christians of his day were going through. He said, I know you're being tested and you're being tried. Let me talk to you about it. Let me give you a word from God on it, he says. He tells them that God allows trials to occur. God allows it to test our faith for our own good. Now, I may not feel like it's for your good. The Bible says no chastening for the moment seems to be joyous, but rather it's grievous. But afterward, it, there's always an afterward. It yields the peaceable fruit 
of righteousness. And so there's always an afterword when it comes to God's dealings with us. And when God has done it, it's a good thing. When God's been involved, it yields a good thing. He said, count it all joy when you experience these testings and trials. Something good is going to come out of it. But then you go on down to verse 13, and he switches from testing to trial, but the same Greek word is used, same one, for testing and for trial. So you've got to know the context. And in the context now, he's switching. And he tells us there is a difference between a trial and a temptation. Now, we saw last week, if you were here and if you weren't here, you ought to get that CD because some of you need to hear it. But we saw last week that God never tempts us to do evil. He never, he is never involved in a temptation for us to do something wrong. God does not involve himself in saying, look over here. Why don't you do this when to do it would be a sin? God never does that. He never tempts us to do wrong. Then where does the temptation come from? Well, it originates not even with the devil, but it originates within you and me. He says, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust, his own evil desires, and enticed. So the temptation to do something wrong starts with us. All the enemy does is entice us and try to lure us with bait to bite into something that we're already feeling drawn to. He is the sort of the master evil fisherman. He lures, he baits, he tries to draw us out to do something wrong, and he appeals to a desire that's already within us. If we didn't have wrong desires, the devil would have nothing to work with. But he does have something to work with, because we still live in a house of flesh. Amen? One day we won't, but right now we do. So you've got to be aware of that. All sin begins with an evil thought that becomes sin when we dwell on the thought, fellowship with the thought, and allow it to become an action. When it becomes an action, James said we've given birth to a sin, and sin, when it's finished, leads to death. Now, there is a difference between a trial and a temptation. Let me tell you what they are. A trial is a test of our faith, our patience, and our strength through suffering or temptation. A trial is a test of our faith. It tries our faith. And I'm going to talk to you about what that will do for you in just a minute. But that's a trial. A temptation is an enticement to do something wrong with the promise of pleasure or gain. It is the act of tempting someone to do evil. That's temptation. The goal of temptation is to lead you or I to sin, but the goal of testing is to purify our faith. God is behind testing. God is never behind temptation. So we can either be tested by difficult circumstances in a way that tries our faith, tries our patience, tries our strength, or we can be tempted to do a wrong thing resulting in sin. It's very easy to see the difference. So if you're being tempted to do something that is sinful, God's not in that. But if your faith is being tried and tested, God is going to use that for your benefit. As a matter of fact, he can't promote you until you've been tested. And I'll talk about that in a minute. 
God says that James, or, uh, God says James uses trials and testings for our benefit. And the Bible is clear that God is behind testing. God tests our faith. Now, let me just take you to a part in the Bible that really describes what a testing is all about. Uh, it's called the wilderness period when the children of Israel were going from Egypt to the promised land. God delivered them because of their cry to Him, please get us out of this bondage. God listened. God heeded them. God raised up Moses. He called them out of Egypt, but before He could take them to the promised land, they had to go through a time period called the wilderness. It's always been an astonishment to me that that wilderness to walk from Egypt to the promised land straight on with no hindrances, they could have done it in two or three weeks. But it took them 40 years. And the first generation, except for two of them, didn't even make it. What a, stun what a stunning statement. All God was trying to do was teach them and test them and try them so that they could handle the promised land. Now listen, let me share with you out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 through 5, and listen to what God says about the process of testing. And we're not talking about temptation to sin now. We're talking about testing of your faith. Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through 5 says, Remember, Moses tells the people, remember, think back, how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Now listen to what he says. Humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Now, notice the golden word testing is in there. He said, I want you to remember back. Now, they are on the other side of 40 years of failure. And he says, I want you to remember back how the Lord tested you and what was the testing designed to do. The Bible says three major positive purposes were involved in the testing. He says to humble you, to prove you, and to know what was in your heart. He said, that's all I was doing for 40 years. That's all I was doing. I was, I was humbling you, proving you, and knowing what was in your heart. So, according to the Bible, the wilderness was a proving ground. Now, let me tell you something, saints. Everybody who is a child of God is going to go through wilderness periods. You're going to go through wilderness times between deliverance from something and deliverance to something, between a departure and an arrival. God has a destination for us. In, in life, He has several destinations several promotions, several new things. We are all growing. We're all headed towards new things, towards good things, stronger anointings, deeper walks with God. We're all in a growth process, and in that process there's going to be wildernesses, times of testing, when God proves you and me. And what's He going to do? He's doing it to humble us. He does it to prove us, and He does it to know what's in our heart. Now listen to what Moses goes on to say. Yes, He humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. Wow. Now, why did God do that? Why did he let them go hungry? Why did he take them through those lean times? Here's what Moses goes on to say. He did it to teach you. Everybody say, teach me. 
Now, whether or not you know it or are aware of it, the great, greatest teacher to ever walk planet Earth lives inside of you right now. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not just your Savior. He's your teacher. In all things that pertain to life and living, Jesus is your teacher. And he never stopped when he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. No, the teacher came to live inside of you, and he's always wanting, desiring to teach us. I believe there are teachable moments in every day that if we'll listen to him, we will hear the voice of the Lord speaking to us to teach us. He wants us in his Bible every day, in his word every day, so that every day the great teacher can teach us in all things pertaining to life and living, your morality, about marriage, the way you view the world, the way you view people, everything. He's your teacher. He said, God took you out of Egypt, and, and before he could take you into the promised land, he wanted to teach you, to prepare you for where you were going. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Listen to this. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's these wilderness wanderers. They've been in Egypt. He's taken them to the promised land. And what does it say God's trying to teach them? The power of seeking and living in and eating and feeding on the Word of God. I wanted to teach you that there's more important things than just having your next meal. I wanted to teach you that you will not be alive, you will not truly live by bread alone. And this is what Jesus quoted in the wilderness. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So here's God trying to teach them. The purpose of God's testing was to teach them to feed on his word and to die to their old ways of thinking and doing. That's what the wilderness is for. Testing times, trying times, wilderness times are times when you ought to have your ear to the track. You ought to have your ear in the word more than you ever have before because God is wanting to teach you and he's wanting to renew your mind changing your old ways of thinking and doing, renewing your mind to new ways of thinking and doing, because that's what you're going to need when you arrive where you're going. Instead of learning this simple lesson, oh, did they blow it. They blew it over and over again. They murmured, they complained, they never changed, they grumbled, they griped, they whined. And they died in the wilderness, every one of them. They never crossed the, the Jordan to get into the promised land. Only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, made it. What a heartbreak. What a, what a tragedy. God went to all the trouble to deliver them, sent Moses uh, to do all the miracles to set them free, but they never made it into the promises of God. Now, I want you to notice something. Them being delivered from Egypt is a picture of our salvation. See, they were delivered from Pharaoh, a picture of the devil. They were delivered from bondage, to Pharaoh, a picture of bondage to sin. They crossed the sea, which is a picture of water baptism. They went on to the other side where they could never cross the sea again and go back. Just like you and I have been delivered from the devil, delivered from the bondage to sin, we have been water baptized, raised to walk in the newness of life. We can't go back. And yet, even though they were delivered they never got to enjoy what God really had planned for them because they failed in the wilderness. Folks, I'm telling you, God wants to teach you and me. He doesn't want us to fail in the wilderness. He doesn't want us to drop out or not understand or learn from Him in times of testing and trial. You can be saved 
This is a fact. But not experience what God has promised. If you don't learn the wilderness lessons of trusting God and learning new ways of thinking and doing. And the only way that's going to happen is by living in the Word of God and letting the great teacher teach you. Now let me look again at what testing is intended to accomplish. First of all, he said, I took you through the time of testing, through the wilderness, to humble you. It says he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. Now let me tell you something about times of testing. Times of testings are often humbling times. It says he let them go hungry. God did. God let them hurt. God let them have need. God took them through a lean time. You'll say, Pastor Jeff, I don't receive that. We can, I don't care if you receive it or not. It's what the Bible says. <laughs> well, he's Jehovah Jireh. Yes, he is, but his provision means way more than giving you a meal at the table. He provides you with character. He provides you with teaching. He provides you with strength. He's wanting to change you. So they went through a lean time. Anybody in here ever been through a lean time? Yeah. He said, I'll let you go hungry. And here's the deal. It's humbling. It's a humbling thing. When, when the, the things we're used to having, the material security, the nod of approval from men, the creature comforts are temporarily stripped away. That's humbling. When you're used to a certain level of living, you're used to a certain level of reputation uh, among people, you're used to people smiling at you with a nod of approval, and God takes you through a lean time, a trying time, a testing time, when what you're used to having you don't have. And it's a little bit scary. It's like the carpet's been pulled out from under you. But let me tell you why God does this, this stripping process. He does this so we will learn to look for our comfort in Him and not in things. When God takes you through a lean time, a tough time, a trying time, it is so that you will learn to lean like you've never leaned before. Hey, it's when you're going through tough times that you beat a fast track to the prayer closet. It's when you're going through tough times you open up this Bible and read it and read it and read it for the comfort and faith that it brings. It's the tough times that drive you to church, that drive you to seek after God. Are they not? Amen. <clears throat> the Bible says that God allowed them to go hungry so that they would learn to trust him and be content with what he provided. So every day, here's what God provided. He provided food that was basically tasteless and unattractive to the eye. It was called manna. Manna in the Hebrew language means, what is it? They looked at it and they said, what is it? And that's what they named it. What is it? And they didn't have, listen, <laughs> This was not Papacitos. They're in the wilderness. And God said, whatever I give you, you're going to learn to appreciate. Because I'm going to take, I'm going to take your, your attractiveness or your attraction to the world and the things of the world, I'm going to take it away from you, 
I'm going to scale down the way this world looks to you so that you can learn to seek me and fall in love with me and get your joy from me. So he says, there's your what is it? In the Old Testament, manna was the unknown substance that appeared on the ground every single morning at the break of every new day for the children of Israel to gather and to eat. It was weird looking. There wasn't much to it. It was, as I said, tasteless. This was not the leeks and the melons and the fine Egyptian food they were used to. This was a humbling experience, picking up, gathering, what is it, every day. Honey, did you get the what is it? I got the what is it. There were no surprises coming out of Mama's kitchen in the wilderness days. What are we having for dinner? What is it? What's for breakfast? What is it? There was no menu of choices. They had what is it? Are you ready for this? For 40 years. I mean, over time, they had baked what is it? Fried what is it? Boiled what is it? Raw what is it? Sauteed what is it? What is it leftovers? I mean, think about it. Honey, get up. You better go get the what is it because it dissolved. When the sun had fully risen, it dissolved away. You had to get it early in the morning. What a lesson there. You better get up and get the Word of God first or it has a way of dissolving on you later. I mean, there's a real message there in the manna in the what is it. But honey, you better get up and gather the what is it. We're going to need it for breakfast. And, and, and it, it lasted one day and then it was gone. He humbled you. You had to learn to look up and say, thank you, Lord, for what is it? I don't even know what it is. What is it? I don't even know what it is, but I know it came from you. So I appreciate, Lord, the what is it. But what did they do? They grumbled, complained, whined, griped at God. We're so sick of this manna. We're so sick of everything that we've got here in this wilderness. And they died there. Their bones bleached white in the desert because they could not walk in humility before God and be thankful to him for what they had. He said this, quote, He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. He gave them the manna. So they would learn life is not just about eating. He took the glistening, the, the, the glitter, the glamour out of eating. So they would eventually go, well, here's manna again. Man, there's nothing about it. It's tasteless. I've been eating this for 20 years, 30 years. What was God saying? Please learn to feed on my word and enjoy my word. I'm taking the glitter and the glisten and the glamour off of the things of this world so you will learn to appreciate my word. You will not live by eating alone. But I want you to learn that you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The words from the mouth of God are your life, not food. That's what he's saying. Have you ever noticed that when God, my experience has been, when he wants us to become focused on him and his word, he'll allow the things of this world to lose their appeal. We live in a failing world. We live in a flawed world. Listen to me, church. Relationships fail. People fail. Things fail. In this world, things rust and they rot and they fail. We live in a fallen world right now. And isn't it strange how we try to make our whole life the things of this world? The new car, the new home, the better paying job, 
the new relationship. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but God says don't put all your eggs in that basket because what really matters is what Jesus said when Martha was griping Mary out for sitting at Jesus' feet. Jesus said she has chosen the good thing which will not be taken away from her. What was the good thing? Listening to the Word of God. This right here is your life. Feeding on the Word of God is your life. You will not live by a paycheck. You will not live by that new house. Listen, some of the most miserable people in the world are the richest people in the world. They've got satin sheets, but they can't sleep in them at night. They've got everything money could buy, but they're miserable. Why? Because you will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life-giving. As the old song says, that old song that we used to sing all the time says, the things of earth, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. You see, there are times that God will, in his mercy and in his grace, cause the things of this world to lose their appeal so that you will go, well, what do I have? Well, what I have is this Word, and I have Him, and I'm going to seek Him. And, and so you, here's your manna. Some people look at their Bible and say, what is it? But you open up this Bible and you find out what it is. It's God's sustenance for you. It's God's Word to you. You will not live without this. You need the Word of God. You need God speaking to you. You need God guiding you. You need God leading you in life. You need His wisdom. You need the Word that comes and strengthens your faith. God's intent with every wilderness experience is that our focus and our appetites would change. Now get that. So what do you mean my appetites change? Well, most Christians, when they're saved, their appetites are world-geared, geared to the things of the world. And so God will come along and say, I want you to change your appetites. I want you to get rid of some of those worldly appetites. I don't want you to be enamored so much anymore with Hollywood. I don't want you to be enamored so much with what's on TV. I want you to change appetites. I want your appetites to undergo a transformation where you begin to get a hunger for the things of God, an appetite for the Word, an appetite for worship. That's what it means to be born again. He transforms you on the inside, and one of the evidences of truly being saved is your appetites change. God said, all I was trying to teach you was to appreciate the Word, to change your appetites, to trust me, but they never learned it. They never learned it. He said, I just want you to look up and say, God, it's so good to walk with you in this wilderness and to know you, and uh, thank you for the Word, thank you for Moses, thank you for your incredible deliverance, but no, they said, oh, if only we could go back to Egypt, if only we could go back to what we had, when, when they were there, they were begging to get out. God said, too bad. Now watch this. God's testing also came not just uh, for what we just talked about, but to prove them. God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to prove you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. Now, God didn't need to know what was in their heart. God knew what was in their heart. 
But you know what? He wanted them to know what was in their heart. Have you ever noticed you don't know somebody in the good times, you only know them in the bad? Have you ever noticed that? You don't really know people in the good times when the money's rolling in and they're successful. No, you, you know people in the hard times. That's when you really know and see what their character is. Testing is for our sake. God already knows what's there. He wanted them to see what was in their heart. Because testing is like gold is purified. They'll slide gold into an oven that looks like pure gold. It'll melt it. And as the smelter watches, the impurities in that gold rise to the top. It looks like black specks. And when they see those black specks rise to the top, the smelter, the purifier, will skim them off and purify that gold. That gold, you never know what was in it unless it was in the fire. You never know what's in you until you're in a time of testing. You say, oh, I'm in church all the time. I love the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Kumbaya. I'm, I've arrived. And then you go through some testing. And what is this coming up in you? Whining, griping, complaining, unbelief, anger at God. But there stands the mighty smelter. Do you think he's surprised when he sees what he sees in us? He says, I knew it was there all the time. But now the reason the testing is here is so that you can see it and let me change you. Oh, it's good here on Sunday morning in the early service. It's nice and quiet. See, God's way more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. So well, God just wants me comfortable. No, he doesn't. God will mess with your comfort to get your character right. God will totally mess with your lazy boy chair in your living room and your comfort zone to get your character right. And so there we are in testing, and all of a sudden, boy, we're not the man of God or the woman of God we thought we were because this testing is bringing some things up. Now, let me tell you why he's doing this. He's doing this because he's got to get your character to the place where you can handle what he's got for you. Now listen, he wanted to get their character to the place. That's all that was happening for 40 years where they could handle the promised land. Just because you want something doesn't mean you're ready for it. Well, I want it so bad it's got to be right. No. Just because you want something really bad doesn't even mean you even ought to have it at all. But just because you want something badly doesn't mean you're ready for it. Hey, anybody that's raised children in here knows this is true. How many times do they want something you know they're years away from? So you say, well, someday. See, God will answer our prayers always with a yes or a no or a maybe. And sometimes you've got to be kidding me. But he'll always answer with a yes or a no or a maybe. Or wait. So some things that you really want, God says, okay, but I'm going to have to get your character up to the place where you can handle it. Because if I don't get your character to the place where you can handle it, what you want will destroy you. When my son was yay high, he wanted a shotgun. For, for his sake and mine. 
That did not happen. But I would give him a BB gun. Now you learn to work with a BB gun, you'll get your way up to a pellet gun. From a pellet gun, you'll get a, maybe a shotgun one day. But right now, no way. Your character, you are going to have to grow some. God says to you and I, I have great things for you. But before you are promoted to them, you are going to go through a time of testing so that I can catch your character up to what you're going to need to occupy the promised land. See, they were going to the promised land where there were giants to kill, towns and cities to take. And how are they going to obey God and walk around Jericho seven times when they couldn't even thank him for manna? How are they going to go from city to city bringing giants down when they're grumbling and complaining against the very one who gave them the promised land? Their character had to change. Folks, God cares about your character and mine, and that's what testing is for. Now, James ends this teaching by giving us the ultimate goal of testing. He said, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, here's what perseverance is very simply. Perseverance is patiently and joyfully keeping on, keeping on in times of trial. It is not grumbling keeping on. It is not unbelieving keeping on. Perseverance is, I know that my God has everything under control. I am content with the manna. I am giving him praise every day. My attitude is right. And you keep that, that spirit and that attitude, and that is perseverance. He said he's got to work that into your character. Why? Because perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So apparently without perseverance, that ability to trust God, keep an attitude of joy, and keep on keeping on when you don't have everything you want, when times are lean, when times are tough, you've got an attitude that is not being shaken, that is not being moved. You've got an attitude that is joyful and is not turning against God and blaming Him for all your troubles. You've got an attitude that is a triumphant overcoming attitude. When that perseverance has been worked into your character, God says, now your faith is whole. Now I can bless the socks off of you and you can handle it. And there is a reward for perseverance. Blessed is the man who keeps on going under trials. After he has come through them, he'll receive a crown, the crown of life itself. God has promised it to those who love him. Now let me just tell you, let me sum this up. Testing is not temptation. Testing comes from God. God will use anything and everything in your life to test you, to try your faith. And what's he looking for? He's looking for you to get all of those wilderness wanderers attitude out of you he doesn't want you grumbling griping complaining he's looking for this I trust you you're in charge of everything I'm not gonna complain I've got manna it may not be Del Frisco but it's manna thank God I've got something to eat so Lord I praise you I'm not gonna turn on you I'm gonna keep on keeping on with a uh, an overcoming attitude I trust you I praise you I'm going to stay in the Word, stay in prayer, stay in church. I'm not going to go off and pout and play a violin and invite people to my pity party. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to keep on going. And God says, there, enter the promised land. Enter into what I've got for you. Now, I don't know where you are in your life, but I would, I would venture to say that most in here are being tested somehow.
Can you praise God where you are? Can you put on an attitude of gratitude? Can you bless Him? Can you trust Him? He's got your life in His hands. Can you stand up with me? God is not tempting you to sin, but God is testing your faith so that He can bless you and promote you. Father, thank You for Your blessing today. And I pray, Lord, that every person in here under testing, and that's probably most, that, Lord, You will see us through this. Help us to develop that character that You're after. And, Lord, we thank You. Now, I want You to take Your trial and Your test. It's a person, it's a place, or it's a thing. And it's testing you, trying your faith. I want you to give it to God and say, Lord God, use this to work into my character that faith that cannot be shaken. And I trust you with the timing, and I trust you with what comes into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a hand of praise today, can you?